0: Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you for Palm Sunday as we've just been singing about just the praises, Lord, that you were given as you entered into your final week here on earth. And, God, we just, this last song as we've sang today, let that be our prayer, Lord, that we would need you every hour, every moment of every single day. God, forgive us where we even think for a moment that the next breath is guaranteed under our own power or strength. God, let us once again fix our eyes on you as our source, as our strength, as our all. God, to realize, God, as we approach this, this week, we call Holy Week, this time to reflect and to remember the tremendous sacrifice, God, of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. God, I pray that during this season, our hearts truly are turned towards you, God, that we can turn the volume down on the things of this world, God. And God, to look to you once again as our everything and our all. Thank you, Lord, as we again remember and are so grateful, Lord, for the cross of Jesus Christ, for the price that was paid for our sin, so that we could once again be in communion and relationship with you thank you lord for that god we ask you to bless this time together speak to us today lord through your word in jesus name amen amen um, if you would if you have your bibles you can turn to the gospel of mark and we will be finding ourselves there today and i always say it and i'll continue to always say it because i think it's just a great reminder Uh, again, we're going to be hitting some very, very familiar things today, very familiar account, very familiar story uh, from the the scripture. And just, you know, I'd encourage you not to just say, well, been there, done that. Let's, you know, just kind of check that off the box. Let's tune out and think about what we're going to eat for lunch today. Um, I really believe that God has something for us today, as he always does from his word. And so as we dig in, I just encourage you just to keep your hearts open and to receive what he has. Uh, we are going to continue our series today, of the Our Rated Gospel, and this the title of today's or the sermon today is resignation. And funny story, this you know I, I sent um, Amanda, who does our slides and everything and all of our online stuff, which she's awesome at. Um, I sent her my notes, and I titled in the 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 little subject line of the email resignation notes, <laughs> and she's like. We just had your installation last week. You know, Surf Saturday was kind of tough being outside. I know you got sunburned, but come on, you know, is it really time to resign? But, so I'm not resigning, just so you know. We're talking about, about something totally different, about Jesus resigning his will or what he wanted. So just before the rumor, you know, I know nobody does that stuff and murmurs in this congregation. But, hey, I'm here to stay, just so you know, so don't Don't panic. But, uh, but yeah, so today, the title of today's sermon is uh, Resignation, and uh, we are going to take, take a look at that. How many people uh, have ever had the opportunity in your life to, to make an entrance, you know, to make something like big? You know, I think of whether maybe it's a football team, you know, when they come onto the field. And, you know, all the, the lights go down, especially if you're the home team, you know, the lights kind of go down and the music starts and you got all the spotlights going. And, you know, they run onto the field and the fireworks go off and everything. Or, or maybe if you ever, I remember watching wrestling as a kid and each wrestler had his own, like, signature song he would come into. And it, and it really tells you a lot about a person, the way that they make an entrance, doesn't it? And today, as, as we take a look at this entrance that Jesus makes... Uh, it really is significant and points to the character and the person of who, who he is. And it's a very intriguing as to how he entered the city, isn't it? As Again, many of you know the story, but we're going to take a look at that today. But an entrance says a lot about a person. And as we prepare to look at the scripture, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 11. And two words I want to just kind of put out there, two terms I want us to really dial in on. For a while today. The first one is this term uh, resignation. Okay, resignation. And resignation just defined is simply the acceptance of something undesirable but inevitable. Something undesirable but inevitable, meaning you come to a place sometimes in life where something's kind of coming at you, uh, maybe, you know, whatever, whatever that is. And you come to that place of like, all right, this is coming. This is going to happen. I can't stop it, but I'm going to press through and go through it nonetheless. And so we resign. There's, there's a resignation of will. And this, this term resignation is, is something we're just going to touch on here in a little bit. Uh, the other word, and something maybe less familiar to some folks, is the term mitigation. Mitigation. Okay. Mitigation is defined as the process or result of making something less severe Dangerous, painful, harsh, or damaging. Um, Again, whether if you work in a workplace, I know, like in the military, whenever we plan stuff, we always had to have this this mitigation form done. Meaning, you look at the potential dangers that might come up during this exercise, and you have to try to mitigate. So, like, not that this was a military exercise, but if you had a wet floor, you know, you put what a yellow sign on there, right? That's what we do in the military. We plan how to take care of wet floors and make sure people don't slip. But um, no, but if you have a wet floor, that's a mitigation. You put that yellow sign out. Why? To let people know the floor is wet. So hopefully nobody's going to slip and fall on that floor and hurt themselves. You've mitigated that danger. And so again, it's, it's this idea of making something less severe, dangerous, painful, harsh, or damaging. That's mitigation. So re- resignation, mitigation is what we're going to hit on today. Um, if you're there in your Bibles, and it'll also be on the screen in Mark chapter 11, we're all one. So Mark 11, verses 1 through 11. Mark 11, 1 through 11. And we'll begin reading at, at, at verse 1 there. Now when they, this is the disciples, uh, and, and Jesus drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you. And immediately as you enter it, You will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we once again thank you for today. God, I thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you, Lord, just that you have uh, something for us today uh, found here in your scripture. And God, I pray as your word is is alive and active, God, that it speaks to our hearts. Let us be changed today and changed in a way that it translates to action. In Jesus' name. Amen. So here we have this triumphant entry, as it's called, of Jesus coming into town and Jesus, you know, making his entrance, if you will, kind of his public sort of coming into the, the town for once. Um, and Jesus is here. And uh, the interesting thing, again, the, as we start looking at this, the, the, the transportation, the mode of transportation being a donkey. Right. I don't know about you, but that probably would not be my first choice. Of animals, you know, um, you know, whenever you watch, if you watch <clears throat> like the movie Aladdin or something like that, or you watch anything with this, this entrance of a king or a ruler or a prince, it's always, you know, you've got the bands and the dancers and all the exotic stuff to make way, you know, for this king or this prince that's making an entrance. And here, Jesus makes his entrance riding a donkey. Now, one reason this took place was in Zechariah 9, verse 9. Uh, it was foretold. It said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Sounds pretty awesome, right? Humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. And again, you can just read through this. and like, yeah, he came on a donkey. But you, just, you have to stop too and just think like, it's an interesting choice. Why would he come and make his entrance on a donkey? The people, you know, around him who were near, when they, the disciples went to get this donkey, as we look at them, again, imagine going downtown and, you know, the Lord tells you, Jesus shows up and says, hey, I want you to go downtown Chicago and, you know, find this Beamer parked on this, this certain street and just go up to it, open the door, the keys are inside, you get up, start it up. And take it. If anybody stops you or pulls a gun or wants to shoot you, you know, you just say, hey, the Lord told us to take it. Oh, why didn't you say so? Go ahead. You know, I mean, imagine that's crazy, right? You would not see. Has anybody tried that? No. no. If, okay. Just want to make sure. But it's, it's something just like just mind blowing. And imagine the disciples. I love just putting myself. You, and I encourage you too. when you read these accounts, pick different characters and put yourself in their shoes. You know, the disciples that are going like, oh man, God, Jesus, why did he, he picked us to do this? We gotta go take this, you know. And I wonder if they were like sneaking around and like kind of just trying to nonchalantly like untie it. And then these guys are like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, the Lord told us to take this. Oh, okay, go ahead. Right? And then they just kind of walk off with the donkey, like, thank you. And it's just it's it's incredible. And, and you know, there's different they debate a little bit, like what you know, did the people know Jesus, who he was, or was it something Jesus had set up beforehand? We don't we don't know the answer, is the short of the story. But for whatever reason, they recognized that it was okay for these guys, these disciples, to take this donkey. Now again, Jesus, son of God, making his entrance, choosing a donkey. One, it's borrowed. They say, Well, hey, we'll do you a salad, we're gonna bring it back when you're done, when we're done with it. Right, So he's not even riding his own donkey. He's riding a borrowed donkey. And number two, he's riding a donkey that had never been ridden before. I've been horseback riding. I really prefer horses that have been ridden a lot. That kind of listen and you nudge them and they're just nice and they, they, they follow instructions. I don't know what this donkey's deal was. If it hadn't been ridden before, I wouldn't be excited about getting on it. But nonetheless, you know, that's the way, because, I mean, it really set apart and distinguished in advance. This would be the animal that Jesus makes his entrance on. And so, again, foretold in Scripture. And Jesus is there and, you know, the 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 um, the disciples get him, bring the donkey back. Jesus, you know, they put their cloaks on there and Jesus starts making his entrance. So it was foretold in the Old Testament how it would be. And now he would see Jesus again coming into town on a donkey, not a horse. Why? Well, one the biggest reasons, one of the biggest reasons, or the reason, is interesting enough, horses were always used in conjunction with military. Okay? You would always see like generals and things like that, these high-ranking officers would, would ride a horse. And so, as Jesus is making his entrance on a donkey, you know, he is basically making sure that there is nothing, a, a, a notion is not being given that he was there to take over the government rule of the Roman Empire. Donkeys were actually symbols of peace in that time. And so, think about it. So, Jesus is coming into town in this very, again, the crowd is rejoicing and worshiping, right? Right? Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. But Jesus is coming in such a way that's peaceful and humble. So there is no misunderstanding of what he was coming to do as he rides this donkey. He makes his entrance and people before him, after him, this crowd of people gather around and they yell this phrase, Hosanna, this term Hosanna. Hosanna! We just sang it today, right, in our song. It's we worship God with that. Hosanna to God in the highest. This, this term Hosanna literally means to save us, we pray. Save us, we pray. And it was originally a plea for help. So, again, in the Old Testament, whenever people were, were praying and they're asking God for help, uh, such as in Psalm 118, 25 and 26, it says this. It says, save us, we pray, O Lord. That that term that's translated, save us, we pray, is, is the word that Hosanna eventually comes from. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? This was back in the Psalms. And so, again, this idea, this thought of save us, Lord, we pray, this is what the people were crying out. I mean, they were doing it in a worshipful way, but they're saying, Lord, save us. And it, it kind of, it fits, doesn't it? What was Jesus there to do? To save. And so they yell this, this phrase in verse 9, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Interestingly, the Jews would actually, they would sing this, they had incorporated this into when they would uh, go to the temple during Passover. They would actually sing this or do the same thing. They would march to the temple and they would be singing Hosanna, Hosanna to the Lord. And so, and again, if, if you just like kind of glance through these, these passages and these accounts, you miss the beauty of it. Again, understand Jesus the Messiah has made his entrance during Passover When lambs would be sacrificed for the sins of the people. And here's Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God, making his entrance at Passover. In a humble, peaceful way, coming into town. You've heard the term, a lamb led to the slaughter, a sheep led to the slaughter, right? This This is that image. Not fighting, coming into town peacefully to eventually be led to slaughter. And so they continued around Jesus, singing, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. And eventually, where it started as this this plea and this cry for help, it became a shout of praise as it's used here. The people knew that Jesus was there to save them, but they didn't quite get exactly how it was all going to work out, did they? Has anybody ever been around a, a small child before? <laughs> okay. Um, you know, one of the things in our house, even actually as I was talking to Leanna last night about this possible illustration I was going to give, and I, I said the word Disneyland. And it's like immediately we're like, where's Joshua? You know, he's my eight-year-old son. Because if he hears this word, he's, it's like, Oh. We're going like tomorrow, today, tomorrow, we're going to go tomorrow. Yeah, it's not, there's no understanding of time when it comes to those types of things. As soon as you say that, I think all the kids are young enough in here, so I don't mean to cause any problems, but yeah, we can do this all the time. Like, hey, Josh, yeah, you know, we're thinking about going to Disneyland next year sometime. How many parents know that's like a, that's a death wish, right? I mean, you're going to be in misery uh, for the next year because every day, are we going today? Why? You know, he wakes up the next morning, he's got his bags packed and his Mickey ears on. You know, what's up? Why aren't we going? No, we said next year. There's a few months. And so, again, it's this idea of being able to understand exactly. You know, we are going, but it's just not at this point or in this way. And in a lot of ways, you know, this is kind of how the people are here around Jesus. They see him. They're excited. They know that that he's come to save, but they don't quite get it, do they? They don't quite understand what that means or how it's going to go down. And again, this this phrase, this term, you know, they're saying Hosanna, you know, save when? Save now." now. You see, the people desperately wanted to be freed from the Roman rule at the time. They saw everything from the, the external, you know, like the, the, wave, the, the, the way that the hand of the Roman Empire and government was just kind of weighing heavy on them, right? Their lives were just uncomfortable. They were living in this place of just being oppressed, if you will. And they saw Jesus as that relief to let go of that, that pressure that was on them. Another way to say it is, is people, the people wanted it their way, didn't they? Are we different? I know, yeah, I mean, if you remember the Burger King commercial, right? Have it your way? I mean, it was like everybody just said that all the time. We, we loved it. Yeah, I want it my way. <laughs> we are just ingrained. It's ingrained within us. We just desire to have things our way. And the people there in Jerusalem, the Jews, they wanted it their way. They thought it was going to happen a certain way. And so as, as Jesus entered, and even though it was foretold, you know, I picture in my mind, you know, he's going into Jerusalem, and he comes to this T junction, right? To the right is, you know, Pilate's place he likes to hang out, the, the the seat of Roman rule, you know, to the right, and maybe to the left is is the temple. And Jesus, you know, turns on the donkey turn signal or whatever it is, you know, towards the temple instead of towards the Roman ruler. And I wonder how many people are like, what's happening? (laughs) Why is he going left when he should be, that's where he wants to go, to make his entrance, to, to set us free? You see, they were again looking for an immediate salvation, not for their souls, but instead for their current state of being under Roman rule. And all throughout Jesus' life, as you look at his ministry, every instance he always was more concerned about the person's soul than about their physical condition, wasn't he? Did he care about their physical condition? Sure. But time after time, he'd always forgive them of their sins. He would speak into their life in such a way to change them. Why? Because those are where things are and exist that are of eternal weight and value. And so many times in our lives when we're asking God for relief of something, and again, we believe in this church that God does still heal. We believe, we pray for people that are going through physical uh, ailments, that are are facing these things, and we believe God can heal them. But our biggest concern and our priority is, is, where's their soul? Have they accepted Christ as Lord and Savior? Because that's That's where it all comes from. Right. The other stuff, if we get extended time on this earth, that's that's great. That's bonus. But Jesus sees everything from eternal perspective. And we have to remember that because he cares about those things. And so, again, we see in the people here in Jerusalem that they were looking more towards a mitigation of this this scene or this situation. They were looking for Jesus to, to make something less severe, dangerous, painful, harsh, or damaging, right? They wanted to be more comfortable. And now, again, Jesus goes to the temple and he arrives and you know, again, here's this huge, this procession, this build-up. Here's Jesus, the Messiah, Hosanna. And he gets to the temple, right? And he goes, okay, well, maybe we'll still see a show here, right? And what does Jesus do? He kind of walks in and looks around. And... All right, we're good. Let's go. And he, him and the disciples head out of town. I think that's how it went anyway. I don't know exactly. I'll have to check the Greek, but, um, but that's, that's what happened. He, he shows up if here's, here comes the show. Uh, he's leaving. <laughs> Where's he going? And so it was very bizarre. Or I'm sure people were scratching their heads and that's why kind of the crowd sort of like dissipated because what's there's, there's not even anything happening here. And so we see this, this take place. But then if you look ahead and if you have your Bibles there, you skip down a few verses I believe it's verse 15, and it's the next days when Jesus shows back up, and my favorite Jesus, when he starts flipping tables, <laughs> gives, gives us hope, right? He starts flipping tables, but he doesn't. He never sinned, right? So he, there was a holy anger, and he's upset because they would made you know, his father's house a den of thieves and not a place of prayer, right? A house of prayer. And so we see this side of Jesus, and so he was taking note, checking things out, but he came back the next day to handle his business, so to speak. But, again, the people were watching and looking, and it was just going very different than they expected, wasn't it? And so let's fast forward now, and I want to move from that scene of of Jesus making his entrance and Jesus ending up at the temple and all the people celebrating this entrance to another scene where Jesus is center stage. But this is a very different scene, and this is the scene at the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus prays. And when we talk about this term, resignation, this is what we're getting at. And and we're going to look at that at Mark 14, verses 33 through 36. And listen to what it says. It says, And he took with him Peter and James and John, this is Jesus, taking them, the disciples, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. So I wonder again if, if Jesus was feeling the same distress and trouble that maybe the Jews in Rome, under that Roman rule in Jerusalem, were feeling, Right? He says, Jesus was not just distressed, greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. And if you stop right there for a moment, look at what he does. He acknowledges the fact that God the Father has the ability to remove The burden that was on him, the discomfort. And again, to understand the agony and the pain that Jesus was in, we we will never know. Whatever it is that we face in this lifetime will always pale, as great as it is, and I'm not taking anything away from whatever people are suffering through, but Jesus' suffering was so much greater. And here he is, still acknowledging God the Father as being able to, to, to take it and that all things are possible. And so he cries out to his father, remove this cup from me. He's asking God, father, Abba, dad, daddy. He's saying, please, if there's any way to take this cup. Because the the stress and the pressure is so great. I don't know that I can bear it. But then what does he finish with? Yet not what I will, but you will. Or in some versions it says, not my will, but yours be done. Wow. That is a sign, the sign of, of total resignation of his will to the Father's will. He knew what was in front of him. Look what Hebrews 5, 7 through 10 says. It says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. Have you been there before? Where you're just crying out to God and tears running down your face. Loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his, wait, it says he was heard. God the Father heard him. He heard his son crying out. And that's a great reminder for us. Sometimes when we, when maybe when our situation doesn't change or that, that pressure doesn't relieve itself right away. It's not, it doesn't necessarily mean that God's not hearing you. But that God has a plan, that God's calling you to something to go to go deeper and to go further. And again, he was heard because of his reverence. Verse eight, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Again, Jesus became the source of not just salvation, eternal salvation for all. Because of his willingness to resign his will. He chose to accept something undesirable but inevitable. So what was Jesus asking for in this moment? Again, this is Jesus, right? Guy he walked on water. He did all these miracles. This is Jesus. So what is he asking? And what he's asking is, is there, there must, is there any way for this physical, mental, and emotional agony on the horizon to be removed? Or as he calls it, the cup that he was to drink of, of God's wrath. Asking God. And you see the humanity of Jesus so clearly here, don't you? Oftentimes people say, well, Jesus, you know. Yeah, it was Jesus. I mean, he just rolled through his time here on earth. No, he's... He's in anguish. He's in pain. Just looking at and thinking about what was ahead. He hadn't even gotten to the cross yet. He hadn't even gotten to the the beatings and everything else he was going to go through. And he was feeling this pain. Jesus understood clearly the eternal weight of what was required of him. Is there any other way? But at the end of it all, not my will but yours be done. And so, these two pictures, these two scenes, right? Here you have the Jews welcoming and and celebrating Jesus' arrival. Because they wanted it their way. (laughs) They thought it was going to go a certain way. But it didn't. And then over here you have Jesus again. And the agony and, and the full understanding of what he was about to face, asking God for it to go his way, so to speak, to, to change, right, to lift that burden, and yet that wasn't what was to come, was it? You know, I think of the, the story in the Scripture of Moses as he's leading the Israelites, right, out of Egypt. And again, think about that picture. Think about that scene again as, as Moses shows up, you know, as God has told him, showed up to Moses in the burning bush and tells him, you know, go and, and, and bring my people out of Egypt. Right. And the children of Israel, what do they do? They, you know, he shows up, he brings them, you know, he, he leads them out after what? After all these signs that God is doing, you know, to, to show Pharaoh and to display his power. And so these horrific things. And so Pharaoh's like, OK, I'm going to let you go. And that just, they're not just let go, they're, they're let go and they're given like all this gold and all this silver, right? They leave, they just walk out of Egypt. And then there's that little thing, you know, where they come to the edge of the Red Sea and that little thing where, you know, God parts the Red Sea, right? Just a little, you know, let me just open that up for you. And, and, the, and they just walk through on dry land. And if that wasn't enough, you know, then they turn around and they see the sea literally consume probably one of the greatest military forces of that time. And the Egyptian, you know, chariots and these, these men that were trained, you know, in, this, in power and in might. And is swallowed up in a moment by God's hand. Yet it doesn't take very long, does it, to get out into the desert. And they're looking around and they start complaining. And they get a little hungry. They get a little thirsty. And pretty soon they just start acting a fool. You're smiling and nodding at me because we do the exact same thing, don't we? (laughs) How quickly we forget how God has been faithful throughout our life. How God has walked with us every step of the way. And why did he bring them out of Egypt? Because he wanted them to come to his mountain where he was. They wanted him to, they wanted them, he wanted them to come to be present with him. His people. Yet even when they arrived there, they still were unwilling to go, right? They sent Moses instead. Because they were not willing to change. They were not willing to become a holy people, to be able to walk into and to enter God's presence. See, the both the Jews and Jesus in these two scenes that we've laid out today. Desperately wanted to be free from a a burden. The Jews desired God the Father to remove the burden of their Roman rulers via his son. When God didn't do as they wanted, they killed Jesus, didn't they? They killed Jesus because they didn't get their way. And they couldn't see that Jesus was there to set them free on a far greater level and scale than they could understand. Far greater than just setting them free from their Roman oppression. He was setting there to set them free from the bondage of sin and death. Jesus, on the other hand, desired God the Father to remove the burden of bearing the sin of the world and death on a cross. And when God didn't grant Jesus his request, what did he do? He resigned his will And willingly laid down his life for you and for me. You see, church, today I believe more than ever before and I've lived a lot of places. But our culture today is trying to cancel and kill the Christian faith. Why? Because they're still trying to kill Jesus. The world will always be out to kill Jesus. Because they see him as me. And Jesus said that they have not accepted me. They've hated me, so they're going to hate you. So it should be no surprise for us. They want to kill, cancel and kill Jesus. question is what will our response be? As things maybe get challenging or get tough or maybe it isn't the way that we thought it was going to be, how will we respond? Will it be like we saw today where they killed Jesus? Or will we respond in the way that we saw Jesus as our example handle that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane with his father in heaven? Where he says, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. I'm here to tell you today, church, and to remind us all that it is impossible to kill Jesus. Amen? It is impossible. But I'm also here today with a warning for us as the church. And for those watching online and those here present within the sound of my voice, that if we are not careful, we can become just like the Jews, focused more on our physical, mental, and emotional burdens being lifted instead of focusing on our spiritual condition. More than ever before, church, we are being called to a deeper walk with God, that our roots of faith may grow deep during this time. Because remember this, that the same people who hailed Jesus became the same people who nailed Jesus. The same people that were there shouting and crying and welcoming Jesus as the coming Messiah were the same people in the crowd shouting, Crucify! And they watched him be nailed to a tree. You see, those people were looking for a Savior, but not a Lord. they were looking for comfort, but not a cross. And my prayer for you and for me today is that we will always keep that in full sight and full view, that this life is but a breath, it's but a vapor, and it's passing, but that we would press in and that we would trust God in such a way that regardless of what comes, regardless of the discomfort, that we will be found and called faithful all the way to the end. Amen? So today as we remember and celebrate Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem that day, let us do so with eyes wide open to watch ourselves and to be careful not to fall into the trap that we saw so many of those people in that time fall into. My prayer for each of you is, is that your walk with God through these times grows deeper and, and through this week. And I would encourage you, if you've not done so, you know, just to take some time, set it aside this week, to spend time in the Word. This, this book here that Pastor Tony mentioned, the verdict, Your Verdict on the Empty Tomb, this is a great place as well if you need something to kind of guide you through. In this season, I'd encourage you, spend time in the Word. Spend time remembering And I promise you, while there is Good Friday coming and there is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, we can rest assured that just on the other side of that, we can celebrate the empty tomb and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, amen? But we can't get there without going through the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time today. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for this message God, and just this, this reminder, as again, we always want to lift up Jesus Christ in this place as our example, as, as Lord. And God, maybe we, we be bold enough to pray, make us more like Jesus. Understanding there's a lot that comes with that. Again, Lord, as we saw Jesus make his entrance to Jerusalem and he could have done so in such a mighty and powerful way, but he chose to enter on a donkey in peace and in humility. May we also walk our lives like that. May we also enter to situations that same way in humility and peace that the love of Christ may be shown to all who see. And God, I also just want to take a moment to just to lift up all those, Lord, who, who were invited yesterday to our services this coming week, Good Friday and Easter. God, during this season, many, many people seem to be open to hear the good news of the gospel. And God, I pray that we as a church just have that burden. We understand the, the importance and the eternal weight of that, that people need to hear the good news. So, Lord, lead us. God, I pray you to stir our hearts, Lord God, and open our eyes to see the hurting and the lost that need to hear about Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, God. Thank you so much for the gift of your son. And Lord, again, as we, we go through this week, Lord God, let us never lose sight of who you are and the price that was paid for our sin so that we could have a restored relationship with you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for each one here and each person watching. God, that you would just keep them and bless them. And God, just that they would know that we would all know your love in a very real and powerful way. In Jesus' name.